Well, our text for today, um, one comes from Song of Songs 4, and then I'm going to read a poem by Sor Juana Inés de la Cruz after. This is Song of Songs 4. You have ravished my heart. You have ravished my heart with a glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How sweet is your love. How much better is your love than wine and the fragrance of your oils than any spice. Your lips distill nectar. Honey and milk are under your tongue. The scent of your garments is like the scent of Lebanon. A garden locked, a garden locked, a fountain sealed. Your channel is an orchard of pomegranates with all choicest fruits, henna with nard, nard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon with all trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes with all chief spices, a garden fountain, a well of living water and flowing streams from Lebanon. Awake, O north wind, and come, O south wind, blow upon my garden, that its fragrance may be wafted abroad. Let my beloved come to their garden and eat its choicest fruits. And this is Love Opened a Mortal Wound by Sor Juana Inés de la Cruz, and it's translated by Joan Larkin and Jaime Manrique. Love opened a mortal wound. In agony, I worked the blade to make it deeper. Please, I begged, let death come quick. Wild, distracted, sick, I counted, counted all the ways love hurt me. One life, I thought, a thousand deaths. Blow after blow, my heart couldn't survive this beating. And then, how can I explain it? I came to my senses, I said, why do I suffer? What lover? ever had so much pleasure. Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Good and loving God, thank you for your word. Thank you for poems and poets. God, thank you again for your love. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us this morning and whatever words we would hear would be from you and not from me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you, if you came for the sermon title, I want to apologize up front. I will not be commenting on the wonderful Tina Turner song, What's Love Got to Do With It? I tried. I tried really hard to find connections, and I found myself just forcing over and over, and it, it just wasn't working. And one thing I'm learning uh, in any creative endeavor is that you cannot force things. You can't force it. And so I apologize. If you need to go because you're so disappointed, I invite you to step out. <laughs> um, but if not, hang in there with me. 
The text that we read in Song of Songs 4 is, it's a love poem from one lover to another. And it actually follows this ancient um, form of poetry whereby the lover is objectified. <laughs> and, and so, you know, the, the lover, if, if you actually read all of the, the Song of Songs poems, you'll see this over and over where body parts are um, mirrored in real life. So, you know, uh, there are hills and there are mountains and there are valleys and there are trees and, and there are all of these things that are compared to the lover. At one point, uh, I, th I think one lover says to another, your teeth are like uh, uh, sheep's wool, <laughs> which is some kind of compliment, isn't it? <laughs> There's all of this objectification that's going on, and we, can, we could dive more deeply into that, but the, the impulse behind this poem is to express love and a kind of captivated love that comes when you're, you're so overwhelmed by someone or something that you love that you just, it's all you see is all these great and wonderful things, right? If you've been in love, you know what this is like. But there's also this other side to love that I want to talk about first, and that shows up in the poem we read by uh, Sor Juana, and it, it also comes out in the Song of Songs text. So if you read through um, all of chapter 4, actually what you'll find is the, the writer of the Song of Songs is using military language to describe the lover's effect on them. So, you know, the, the, the writer might say something like, you have captured my heart. You have overwhelmed me. You have overcome me with your love or your beauty. And, and this military language comes up over and over and over again because I think the writer knows this love thing is actually very devastating in some ways. It can hurt. It can be really hard. And Sor Juana absolutely knows that. The poet says, love opened a mortal wound. There's a misery that comes with loving, isn't there? I mean, gosh, I, I actually, you're, you're not going to believe me when I say this. I don't know if I like loving things or people. It's, I mean, it's, it's really hard, isn't it? Because you know, you know what's coming. There are good things, there are bad things, but there's also a goodbye. There's also pain. It's so hard loving Naima sometimes because I just think, gosh, I don't, I don't want anything bad to happen. I don't want, you know, I don't want you to experience the pain and the dangers of the world. I want to be able to protect you from everything. And like, you parents and grandparents know this, like you can't. So there's a helplessness that comes with love too that overwhelms us. And you know this, if you've ever loved someone, even... Even a pet, if you've only loved a pet. I love pets. I, I started out with cats. I had two cats. Uh, one's name was Oscar the Grouchy Grouch, and the other's name was Black Neon. I named those cats at two or three years old. And I started to develop allergies, at, I think it was at three years old, and my mom had this talk with me. She said, hey, we're going to have to get rid of those cats. I'm really sorry, Garrett, they shed, and you're allergic to the cats, and the doctor said it's, it's really not great. And so we, we got rid of the cats, and I'll never forget the day that the woman who adopted them from us came to pick them up, 
and she she sat me down actually I was I was on the couch and I was petting the cats for like the last time and she sat me down and she looked at me and she said hey I want you to know Garrett I'll, I'll take really good care of these cats and I believed her and I was able to let them go and I didn't see Oscar the Grouchy Grouch or Black Neon again after that. But then my mom came to me and she said, hey, we know how much you love animals, and so we want to get you a dog. And the dog was going to be this hypoallergenic dog that didn't shed and, you know, was, was small and uh, containable. And so uh, they got this little toy poodle from a friend who, who actually had some puppies, and we brought her home. And her name was Alex. And we had Alex from the time I was three until I was graduating high school, so about 18, so 15 years. And I'll never forget um, the, the day we, we lost Alex. I mean, this, this dog was, was so great. This was the dog that, that loved me in the house. This dog really didn't have time for other people. It would, like, kind of growl at others and didn't really want to be around. But the dog would come when I called the dog. And the dog would come and sleep with me. The dog would actually go on runs with me sometimes and just stay right at my feet or dart in and out, uh, sometimes treacherously. And I, I love this dog. I mean, I did everything with this dog. You may have had a pet like this in your life. I'll never forget the day that she passed. I was, um, I woke up early to go to school and I, ha I think I had two essays I had to finish. I was in my senior year and I was like, I was done with school um, and d didn't want to be there and I, I'd been procrastinating quite a bit and so I was up early and I'm trying to type these papers and she came up to me where I was sitting at the computer and she kind of pawed at my leg and I knew she wanted to come up and sit and she, so I, I held her, and, and she had been having these seizures, so you kind of had to be very careful with her. And um, I picked her up, and maybe it was just a little too rough, but it stressed her out to the point that she started having a seizure. And it went on for a really long time as I'm, like, trying to hold her and contain her. And then she just went limp. And that was it. It was very obvious, you know, she lived a good life, and she was 15 years old, and, and she had all the fun she could have, but that was it. And my mom took her from me, and she said, hey, I'll go take her to the vet. Why don't you go to school? And I was like, yeah, I'll go to school, Mom. You got it. I got in my car, and I actually I went to a Walmart parking lot, and I just sat there, and I just, I just wept. And I remembered Alex. I remembered all the good times we had. I remembered the runs that we went on. I remembered my love. If you've ever lost someone close to you, you know something like this same feeling. I've lost people close to me that were the life of the party, always smiling, always happy, People who, you know, I, I tend to be introverted and, and not always great at interacting with groups. So I've lost people that were really good at making sure everyone was included, making sure everyone was seen, making sure everyone was recognized. And you know the hole that's left when you lose these people. You know what it's like to lose love. It's hard. It's devastating. 
can wipe you out if you're not careful. C.S. Lewis has this really great quote. Um, he says it kind of tongue-in-cheek, but he's like, look, it, it, if you want to go through life without any pain, without any suffering, I can, I can figure this out for you. The only thing that you need to do is just don't love anything or anyone, especially not a pet. Just don't open yourself to love and you'll be totally, totally fine. He says it tongue-in-cheek, but it, it reminds me of something that my professor, one of my professors in seminary would always say to folks that were going through premarital counseling. He would, he would look right at them and he would say something to the effect of, look, I don't know why you want to do this because this only ends in tragedy. I hope you know. He says, that in my mind, it's, it's one of three ways. Look, you're, one of you is going to bury the other. You're, one of you is going to decide you don't want to be in this anymore and you're going to get divorced. Or, if you're lucky, you both die tragically at the same time and you don't have to deal with any of that. But it only ends in tragedy. And he would say that as a way to ask them, why, why are you here? Why are you doing this right now? Why do you want to get married? Because it feels good now and it's great and there are going to be a lot of good times, but it's also going to be difficult. And he wanted people to be ready for that especially in an American culture that is like so used to being entertained and chasing pleasure after pleasure and never, ever, ever feeling pain. I mean, God, we go out of our way to avoid it, don't we? Why would anyone get involved in something like love? One of the answers that he has is, well, because love because we need love, don't we? And he would point to this, he, he had this study he would talk about, and I, I apologize, this is the darkest the sermon's gonna get, so please stick with me. He would talk about this study that these scientists did in the 1950s or 60s where they, they were trying to figure out what's necessary for, for life, just generally. So what kind of food do you need? What kind of nutrients do you need? How much sleep do you need? How much you know, play time? How much fresh air? All of these things. They're trying to figure out what is necessary for life. And once they started charting it and figuring it out, they decided to go one step further. And so they took these baby monkeys and they removed baby monkeys that were very, very new into the world. They removed them from their mothers just to see how long they could last. And they found out that they don't last long at all. And so even under perfect conditions where, you know, you have all the food you need, you have everything else that you need, if the monkeys did not receive love specifically from the mother, there's no will to live. And so why do we get involved with love? Well, you know, part of it is we have to. (laughs) Part of it is we have to. You know, I don't actually hate loving people or things. I love Naima. I love my family. I love the dogs that we have now. I, I love all of them. I, I've been taking Naima swimming lately, and she, she greets everyone. We go into the YMCA, and she's greeting everyone that she sees with a hi, hi, hi. <laughs> and everyone looks at me, and they're like, oh, gosh, she's so cute. She's so great. And I usually say something smart and, and funny like, oh, thank you. I made her all by myself. 
And I love the love that she, she's loving life and she's saying hi to everyone and, and, and they're loving life because there's this young person here that's, you know, loving everything that's happening. And I get to be a part of that. And it's so, so wonderful. And then we'll, we get in the pool and, and typically there's a water aerobics class going on. And, um, you know, everyone in the class gets distracted because here comes Naima in her bathing suit and she, she's saying, swim, swim, swim. Or she points up. She loves to show me every single light in the place. And so she'll point up and she'll say, lights, light, lights. And then she'll splash and she'll splash. And it's so wonderful to be able to experience that. Or if you have a pet or you, you, you have a dog, you know what it's like to play with them. I mean, dogs are just like sitting around waiting for you to drop all your problems at the door and just go walk with them, right? They're waiting for you to go spend time. They're waiting for you to play, and you know what it's like to be able to experience that. Love is also a really wonderful thing. It's the thing that gets us through. It's the thing that sustains us. Someone texted me this week, and they, they sent me a picture of some, um, some plants that they're planting outside or around the church, and, and the text showed me some of the bulbs and some of the various flowers, and then it said at the bottom, it said, I want you to know these were planted in love. And I thought, yeah, they were. Because who takes time out of their busy schedule to come down and just plant flowers outside of this old castle to make sure it looks beautiful? Some of you all like going hiking. You love being in nature because it, it sustains you. Some of you all, you love your friends because your friends fill you up and they, they, they provide you with the thing that you need to keep going, that love. You have certain places that you love. You have certain things that you love to do. I actually love doing dishes. And no, I will not go to your house and do your dishes. I have plenty of my own to do. But I love doing dishes. There's something soothing about it. It's time to myself. It's, it, it, it's a time where I try to focus on God's love for me. There's this love all around us. My question for us this morning is, where is it in your life? Who's giving you love? Who are you loving? What do you love? Do you, do you have a pet? Do you have an animal? Do you have a hobby? Do you have a partner? Do you have that love in your life? And where is it? Love is so important, not just to sustain us and get us through life, but as we, as we become people who are chasing after God, you know, we, we've been talking about sin here lately, and I, I love what Pastor Sarah said last week about it being a dirty word in, in progressive churches, and, and it really kind of is. You know, we, we're not great at talking about it, but we, I love the way she redefined it last week. She, she redefined it in, in four ways, but one of the ways was it's the denial of love. It's the shutting off of yourself to any kind of love. This is sin. And so we might say that the greatest sin is actually blocking other people from receiving that love too, going out of your way to do that, a la some legislators in our country right now that are trying to determine who is allowed to love who and when they're allowed to do it and blah, 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 blah. How long, how long we've been doing that in this land of freedom? 
telling people who they can love and what they can love. How long? But you know, love is an antidote to all of the sin in the world, and so I think that as you meditate on that question, what do you love? Where is the love in your life? Who is loving you? Who are you loving? All of those, as you meditate on those things, I want you to know that that, when you start to participate in that love, you bring a little bit of heaven to earth. Because the love that you're experiencing, that you're participating in, it flows through you, and it goes back out into the world. I said earlier that we believe in a God that is love. Full stop. We believe in a God that is always present. And so love is here with you right now. And you might be thinking, oh gosh, I, I don't know what I love. I don't know what I do. I don't know where the love is. And, and, and you know, you might be tempted to say, I've got to go find it. I've got to go get love. I've got to go track it down and capture it and hunt it. And I might have agreed with you before I started writing this sermon. But I came across this quote by the, the poet Rumi, and, and Rumi says something really interesting. He says something to the effect of, your task in loving is not to seek after it and to find it and, and to track it down and to hunt it. Your, your task is to remove the barriers that you are actively putting up between you and the love that is already present in your life. That's a tough one. Friends, I believe that we worship and we serve a God that is love, and I believe that God loves you. I believe that that God is smiling down upon you, and I think that you are being called and invited to participate in that love but I wonder where your barriers are to it. I wonder how you're denying and saying no. And I wonder if you'll have the courage to let those barriers down, even when it's hard, even when it's scary, and even when it hurts so bad that it feels like you're just gonna go away. God is here. God loves you, and I pray that you will accept that gift. Let's pray. Good and loving God, thank you for your love. Thank you, God, for time set aside to pause and to reflect on it. God, would you give us the courage to remove the barriers and the boundaries we have placed between you and us. In Jesus' name, amen.